Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, we are so glad that you joined us uh, for keeping your blank together in a stressed world. Uh, I'm Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts. Uh, I'm joined by Michelle Post. Greetings, Michelle. Hi. Hi, Scott. Uh, I, I, by now, I don't think that we have to go through and give all of our credentials. You can, can <laughs> kind of look us up. If you need to get a hold of me at any time, you can do that either through thinkingmagically.com or contact me by email, sgrossberg at hotmail.com. Michelle, how do they get a hold you of you? You can find me on my website, uh, postinternationalinc.com or email me, Michelle with two L's at postinternationalinc.com. Very excited uh, to be here. We are. We're going to start a new. We're going to start a new series with you that Michelle uh, had suggested, and I've gotten uh, it touched a nerve because, frankly, I got a lot of offline contact uh, from folks who said, "Relationships? Wait a minute, that's a thing." I actually was contacted <laughs> by, I was contacted by somebody who said I had no idea, because I've been I've been held up at home by myself, with my two cats. Uh, I, I've been held, I had no idea that relationships were even an issue uh, going through all this. And it's been very eye-opening. So with that, Michelle, before we actually move into the whole discussion uh, that I'm going to let you lead, uh, before we get into that, how's your week been going? Um, if I'm honest with you, I have a little bit of a, I have a lot of a heavy heart with all of the sort of civil unrest and inequality um, highlights that we've been seeing. I mean, it's constantly been there, but just as a long time person that has put my heart into studying um, race relations, racial reconciliation, um, going back to my college years, and uh, even looking at things like uh, how does genocide happen? And it's, it, we have such a long history in mm -hmm. this earth planet of not treating other humans with dignity, let alone you know, our animals and our planet and our plants. And, you know, but we can't even treat each other with dignity. That I think I have a little bit of a heavy heart this week, if I'm honest. Um, and I'm glad you, you said that because I, I will tell you for the first time, uh, I watched a private online group literally dismantle uh, from within uh, and some of the, the vitriol that was spewed uh, from, from people. And, and this isn't a political group. This is not that. Okay. Uh, and at one point, somebody started talking about Jewish privilege. Uh, and it's like, are you kidding me? We're going to go, we're, we're going to now wow. go to that. Go and back. for those of yeah. you who are listening, you know, part of my background, I have, I have, my family came from Latvia and Romania and Russia and my ancestors escaped the pogroms. And, you know, you go watch Fiddler on the Roof, 
that's the life my family came from. Mm -hmm. And even growing up, my great aunts never changed their last name, although the rest of my family did in order to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And my great aunts, because their last name remained accessible, were constantly, and I said this, I think, in one of the prior shows, they were constantly saying they were afraid that Mother Russia was going to come and take them back. And, you know, I would hear about these types of things, although I never experienced them. And, and so I, I, share, I share your frustration because, you know, on, on one hand, um, I've always identified as a white male, right? Mm-hmm. And yet I now have people out there saying, you're not a white male. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not going to pretend to even understand this. And so I've actually been working with people this week uh, on this very frustration. And as Michelle knows, some of it has been within government. And I've got to tell you, I'm very, I'm very heartened by the fact that there's some really good people out there who, who may not get it because we're not really sure what it is all the time. It's constantly moving. Uh, but there's no malice. There's, there's an intent to let's leave the world, not my city, not my town, not my county, not my state. Let's leave the world a better place than we found it. That's the intent behind it. Um, and I'm, I'm very heartened by the fact that people are able to not let the fear drive at least their messaging, the ones that I've been working with. And that's, that's been my thing for the last week is working with folks and reminding them fear has no place in this. That, that if we start acting from a place of fear, it, it's only going to feed the other issues. How about we fix things? And we fix things not from a fear base. And, um, you know, all too often, I think people in business, uh, particularly people who are very successful, and certainly people in Hollywood, because the entertainment industry is built on fear. Uh, I've, I've always said that the entertainment industry is built on the fear of losing the next, be- the next big thing losing the audience, losing this. Um, and it's all a scarcity mindset. And it's very interesting watching uh, what's happening out there. People, uh, I'll call it waking up. Uh, people saying, hey, I don't think I knew what I thought I knew. So it's, so it's interesting, Michelle, because, uh, you know, I was a philosophy major in college. Uh, and, you know, got to deal with it from, from that aspect. You, you studied race relations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I was f- throughout for about 15 years plus and still a little bit now. I was a part of a church um, just north of Inglewood called Knox Presbyterian Church. And I chose that church because it had such a blend of different ethnicities. And I find that Sunday morning is still one of the most segregated times on the, 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 at least the nation, if not the planet. And this was a group of people that had willingly chosen to walk the walk, that we are going to um, be together. And so we had a practice of, uh, on an ongoing basis, doing racial reconciliation events, things like sitting in small groups and having real difficult conversations about race, inequality, ethnicity, and of course, things like gender inequality and um, LGBTQ issues would enter those conversations way back in, you know, the 90s, when I was just, you know, a 
a 20-year-old not knowing anything. <laughs> so um, my desire to be a part of a multicultural community is deeply embedded in, in me and um, goes far beyond any sort of thing I get paid to do. But I think also therapists, if I can be, if I can jump on the, I think therapists owe it to the world to be active at social, in, you know, working against social injustice. Um, you know, we, we want people to be working towards change and betterment and understanding and self, not only um, uh, empathy for our, ourselves and others, uh, but really understanding another person's perspective. So it's deeply rooted. You know, I, 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 I really applaud that. Um, I, I wish she was still alive. My uh, mother-in-law was the head of the psychology department uh, at the University of Alabama. And she, she actually, uh, she and I would Birmingham? go back and forth over some of my, my, pardon me? Birmingham or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Birmingham? Okay. Yeah. So, so um, she, she worked for Bear Bryant uh, and, <gasps> and some of the, the, the discussions that we would have, because as a psychologist, she worked a lot with the jail system over recidivism, but more importantly, she taught race relations and uh, tolerance at the University of Alabama and she helped bring that to the forefront and she and I would have some of the most amazing discussions and some of her enlightened some of her enlightened views weren't met very well uh, by some of these University of Alabama students uh, and she persevered and it was amazing to listen to some of the stories of people actually breaking through and breaking down and breaking over their prejudices that that were inherited. I and mean, we talked about some of the epigenerational stuff I know. Uh, that's carried with us. And uh, I think it's important that we have discussions like this. I mean, we're going to talk about you know, couples, couples relationships. Uh, we, couples. Have a relation, we have a relationship <laughs> with the world. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know a lot of therapists, but the ones that I have chatted with, Michelle, I think share your belief that we can be so much better as humanity. Definitely. I think we can all hold each other accountable to personal growth and relationship growth and friendship growth and work environment growth. Organizational behavior is fascinating. It just never ceases to amaze me how organization after organization has the same problems. Oh, um, it, it, I, I, you know, from being no matter what business, level you're talking about, it, you know, from being in business for, for as long as I've been in business. Um, I, I love when a new client calls and says, we've got, we've got a problem. And it's like un, un, nothing you've ever seen before. Sure. And I listen and ultimately, it, <laughs> ultimately it's, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate what you're going through. And the good news is it's not unique. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's which almost like I might they, be able to help you. <laughs> which, which means you can help yourself. <laughs> because, because there's a track record for success, uh, and yet sometimes you get pushback. Oh, no, no. I want this to be just my problem. Uh, I don't want it to be like everybody else's problem, and so that's a whole other discussion. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's important, you know, whether we ultimately do a segment on that or not, uh, but it's, I think we're all in line. I think the people who certainly listen to this show 
uh, who've told me that, you know, I had somebody get a hold of me today and say that, uh, th this is now their favorite podcast on Spotify. Ah, and, and so, hey, thank you know, you. We, it, it, people are ready for this. They're open to it. And I, I want them to know that they've, that they have a platform through you and me. Mm -hmm. All they have to do is reach out and let us know mm -hmm. if there's a topic you want us to discuss or, or broach or tell about a life experience or bring you on as a guest, um, mm -hmm. let us know and, and we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. um, with that, if, if, how about we jump into uh, this wonderful topic that sparked my interest. Uh, I love it. And talk, talk about wh where you want this to go. Well, ideally in my head, I dream of a time when people will submit questions or concerns that they have to us and we can help them either in real time or via email. So ideally, I really like the idea of meeting the people that listen and the people that attend where, where they need us, where, where we can be of the best support to our community, because this community is really important to me. It gives me a lot to look forward to on a Monday. I love seeing familiar faces. I love hearing the feedback from people. So ideally, I would love it to be inter interactional. Um, but I think when I was reflecting on everything I help people with in relationships as a marriage and family therapist, and the fact that, you know, Scott, you have a lot of personal practices in your relationship. Uh, in your marriage that I have loved and been an admirer of and think, ah, oh, you know, if, if we could all sort of find ways to do this for our partner and honor them, uh, wouldn't that be great? And um, so I think we could go everything from talking about last week, our podcast was on uh, objects of affection and the symbolism of a ring came up talk about an object of affection, any kind of wedding ring or promise ring or jewelry that has been exchanged between a couple, um, everything from leveling and communication skills and just being assertive but open-hearted, uh, making sure the practice of date night is, is a legit thing that lasts no matter how many months or years are going on, um, sex therapy and, you know, I think Freud said that there are a couple of instincts that we, there's the sex instinct, the death instinct, the life instinct. So if our, often I want to know how a couple's sex life is going, I think it's symptomatic of, of what else is happening in the relationship. And even things like fair fighting, because the couple that stays together is not the couple that doesn't have a disagreement. It's the couple that knows how to disagree and work through it respectfully. So I'm, I'm open. I, I want to know where, where would you like to start, Scott? Well, you know, maybe we can segue from the object of affection discussion mm -hmm. and um, let me give a little foundation and then I'll talk about my wedding ring. Your ritual. Yeah. My, my ritual. And I firmly believe, and I, I took me a while to learn this, by the way. Um, it's not something that you just grow up because they teach you in school and it's like, oh yeah, I know that. Um, Periodically, when I meet people, they will say things that just suddenly resonate with you, right? Uh -huh. And I was once told that shame and blame are not the basis of love. Amen. And <laughs> well, it, but, but it caused me to take a pause back. Um, and 
it's like shame. And, and I then started doing my meditation thing on how many times mm-hmm. have I walked into a room and said, I love you. How many times have I used the words, I love you? How many times have I done things mm-hmm. and it's out of shame or blame or fear that I won't be loved? Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of work to get through that if you don't realize you're doing it in the first place. So that, that's, that's some of the backdrop <laughs> good, of what I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. is that I have a fundamental belief that a marriage, a relationship, however you want to define it, isn't a business proposition. I said this last week, it's not a business proposition. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't love in parts. I don't love, I'll do this. If you'll meet me halfway, mm-hmm. I, it's, that's a, that's a, business deal. Mm. I broker those. Transactional. That's, it. Uh-huh. That's right. It's not it. So for me, it's what is the most precious thing in the world? And it happens to be my wife, mm-hmm. which makes this wedding ring my ultimate object of affection. Mm. It's a ring. Um, and, and, I got, and I got to <laughs> tell you that I think this is my fourth one. Uh-huh. It's, it's not the ring. And some it's of it not is the, the ring. It's not the ring. Uh-huh. The, the ring is here. Um, and, yeah. you know, I lost, I don't know, some of you may know this. I, I lost quite a bit of weight. Um, I, I lost, um, you know, 70 pounds or thereabouts. And I beca- did not know that. And because of that, uh, I had to go through wedding rings as I went through it. And then ultimately... Uh, we were in, Carolyn and I were in Hawaii, and this is koa wood, and koa, uh, koa is the Hawaiian wood that symbolizes a warrior, yes. and that's always a, a thing for me, and we, this is actually my second koa ring, and I fell in love with it, but I didn't fall in love with it because it's the ring and it's not the possession, so here's, here's the ritual. Let me just jump right into it and, okay. and cut to it. Every night, my ring comes off, Carolyn's ring comes off. Don't sleep with rings or other objects of affection on me. Every morning, I wake up, we say good morning to each other. I've got my whole little ritual, maybe we'll go through that. Um, uh, those of you who, who've actually gone through some of my private stuff, you've heard me talk about my evening ritual and my morning ritual. But I then go into the bathroom and this ring is sitting in the bathroom and I, I get it, it reminds me of what and who are the most precious things in life for me. Okay, okay it's a reminder. And then every morning I ask, I take Carolyn's ring and I have my ring. I have both of them. And I take Carolyn's ring and I ask her to marry me every morning without fail. Uh, if I'm uh, traveling, uh, by the I way, if I'm uh-huh. traveling, I will ask Carolyn to marry me either over the phone or through FaceTime. Oh. We have video. It is every day mm-hmm. I want her to know she is the most precious thing to me and I'm not taking any of this for granted. Now, I want you to think about this. And then she asks me if I'll marry her. And uh, just as a little aside, she actually asked me to, in real life, she actually asked me to marry her first. Before, oh, you know. yay, Carolyn. Um, and so. Uh, good picker. It, it, that a, woman has good, a good picker and, and vice so, versa. And so, it, and, and so it, it's a constant anchoring and reminding and, and creating a positive loop yeah. that's out there. And I, I'm inviting everybody, you don't have to do what I'm doing, but think about this for a minute. Yeah. 
Um, what are you doing every day to, to not take your relationships for granted? What are you doing every day to step aside from the shame and the blame and the, and the stressors of the world and say, you know what, in my little bubble, because that's what I want, in my little bubble, this is all that matters. Uh, and ultimately, I will always ask somebody, what do you want? And they'll tell me I want more money, opportunities, relationships, energy, right, health. Uh -huh. And when we get down to the money thing, it's uh, then I'll ask somebody, well, why are you working? I just got doing this, got done going through this, by the way, uh, with a composer that, I'm, that I was coaching and working on, on a film score. And I said, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm doing it, blah, 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 blah. And we kept peeling away the layers. Mm -hmm. And I said, why are you working? Why are you doing this? And ultimately, it's, it's because of his wife and his family. And I mm -hmm. said, now we're getting down to what's really important. Mm -hmm. And once you get down to what's important, then all the rest of it has motivation behind it. If that, mm -hmm. if, if, does that make sense? It does. It does. I love that. Like, I would love to see what rituals those of those of us, those of you listening, what do you do? What rituals can you do for the next seven days to honor your relationship and put it first? We have a we have an intervention in a type of therapy called solution focused therapy, which is the miracle question. So you're having relationship problems and you ask the couple if all your relationship problems disappear overnight magically. Like in the middle of the night, the fairy visits and sprinkles magic fairy dust on you. And when you wake up in the morning, all the problems are just gone. What's the first thing that you notice to, to symbolize that the problems are gone? And you ask the couple to share that. And, and I've heard everything from, oh, I smell the coffee being brewed or I smell bacon, you know, if you're not a vegan. And then, <laughs> and then, then or, or I roll over and he or she looks at me and they smile. Like they're, they're happy to be waking up next to me. And then what we challenge them to do is without telling the other person, at least two times over the next seven days, act as if the miracle has happened and do something to show your partner that the miracle has happened and don't tell them you're doing it. And then when we get back together as a, you know, a couple or a session in one week, we say, we're, you know, when you looked at me this way, was that the miracle happening? No, it was this other thing. And it just creates this sense of people beginning to give as if the relationship is back to where it was in the beginning. So that's called I love this. Question. I, number one, I love this. Number two, uh, our, our, fan listening base is well aware that we've talked about William James before, yeah. one of my heroes, right? Yeah. Um, and William James is the guy who, who came up with the whole as if, as if. Uh, act as if it matters because it does. Mm -hmm. um, and it does. Yeah. Act I, it, as if this is the person I just had a couple today share with me that we just decided that I'm going, instead of thinking about a future without this person in my life, we decided that we're going to think of the future with this person in my life. And how does that change how we act and behave towards each other? And just the shifting of mindset helped them talk more openly and honestly about what that future would look like together. 
there was something else that you said. Relationships are not a transaction. They're not, you know, I do 50 and you do 50. And there's a, there was a research project done. Again, it was heteronormative between heterosexual couples. But just, you know, those of you that might be in the LGBT community, just get don't worry about all that gender stuff. <laughs> but basically, they took a husband and wife and they gave them a list of things done in the relationship chores. And they asked them, you know, what percentage do you do and what percentage does your spouse do? And they separated them. And then they brought the two pieces of paper together and never do they actually add up to 100%, meaning yeah. like never would I say I do 70% of the dishes and my partner does 30 I always overestimate the percentage I do and underestimate the percentage my partner does because I'm not with my partner all the time. I'm not seeing everything that they're doing. And sometimes resentment comes from just that overestimating that you're doing all the work. And I see this in work relationships, uh, romantic partner relationships, parent-child relationships, friendships. We overestimate the effort we put in because we're with ourselves all the time. And we underestimate the part that someone else puts in. And that's just, that can lead to relationship disaster. I've got to tell you, it's interesting that you said that. And in light of the backdrop that we started this whole discussion with and, mm -hmm. and, and everything that's going on in the world right now, um, we just watched uh, the, the Michelle Obama Becoming mm. uh, documentary. And it was very, it, it, I, it's fascinating. Everybody should watch this. Okay. Um, and it, when you watch the, she discussed relationships. When you watch this, she says that as they were going through this, um, Barack, as she calls him, um, but Barack was going to the gym uh -huh. and she was home taking care of the kids. Uh -huh, she was cooking, becoming cooking. very uh -huh. resent. She was becoming yep. very resentful because Barack was taking care of Barack. Yeah. And she said, and, and, it, and again, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to give you the whole, the whole documentary, but at some point she was saying, I wanted, you know, I kept, I wanted him to come and help take care of the kids too. Uh -huh. And then she had her epiphany, her aha moment, which was, wait a minute. I need to go to the gym too. Uh -huh. I need to take care of Michelle. Yes. And it changed the whole dynamic. Um, he didn't stop going to the gym and she started going to the gym and suddenly they were a very productive, collaborative, helping each other kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of, one of the things that I do as well, and, and certainly I'll be very transparent here. I've told Carolyn a number of times, I want most in life for you to be happy. Oh. Now, I want you to imagine bringing that to a relationship that's a little different than I want most in life for me to be happy. Mm -hmm. Not for a moment telling you I'm not high maintenance um, <laughs> because we, we, we just did a, a, an informal uh, poll amongst the kids and every one of them <laughs> and every one of them says I'm very high maintenance. I don't view myself that way. <laughs> of course, because you're with yourself all the time. So why would you be high maintenance? You're always taking care of yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. But that that also because Michelle, you and I off the show have also had the discussion of you can't bring 150% to a relationship. You can't bring 102% to no, a relationship. You only have 100. You have 100. There's, it's there's, like bringing there's more than 24 hours to a relationship. There, there isn't only, more than 24 hours in a day. There is only so much Scott bandwidth, mm -hmm. and I'm constantly shifting and moving, and I'm like a giant <laughs> Jenga puzzle, as I've called it. 
and you know things get moved out of here and they get moved over there and sometimes they topple and sometimes things get messy and apparently sometimes I'm high maintenance um, and it's <laughs> <Me> like <too. laughs> and, and yet um, there's always the respect there there's always the elegance um, yeah. you know that the, I, I I've always said chivalry is not dead uh, I will still open the car door for Carolyn I will still yes offer to help carry groceries. I will still do those things, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Interesting. You know, I, By the way, before yeah. we get too much further, I want, to yeah. remind, I want to remind folks who are live with us, if you have questions or want us to bring oh, up yes. something, stick it in the chat room uh, and we'll discuss it because otherwise Michelle and I will go on for days. We just keep bantering. But I, I love that you brought up um, Becoming, also a wonderful book. I read the book, I didn't see the documentary because a long time ago when you taught me how to do the 12 advisors, which is something I know mm -hmm. we'll do a podcast on. Yeah. And one of your categories is uh, love and relationships. And I struggled with this one because I, I you know, didn't know who to model my relationships after. And I wanted there to be two people. I wanted it to be Barack and Michelle Obama because I was watching them display a love for each other on national TV under a lot of pressure, right? I can't imagine that there's any you know, even for our current president, all our past presidents, that's got to be the most pressured job in America to be the, you know, the president. But uh, when I would see them dance together, he would still look at her like so adoringly. And so I thought if I'm going to learn about love and relationships from anybody, it's from somebody that seems to have the, you know, the love and admiration of the, you know, leader of the free world. So they, you know, she's actually on my 12 advisors list for 11. And so I look forward to that podcast. By the way, I've got to tell and you in, in the documentary as well, Michelle yeah. Obama um, readily admits they were chastised when oh. they did the fist bump with each other. Oh, I bet. And that was actually used um, in an attack against them saying, now you can see what their relationship is like. It's like, really guys, um, maybe if we stop seeing with our eyes so much, and start seeing with our hearts a little more yeah. um, and, and understand that if I happen to see Michelle and her significant other, I'm seeing them in a little sliver of time yeah. and I'm, I'm judging them and I'm comparing them and I'm contrasting them, right? It's, it's how yeah. we survive. It's a survival mode. Yeah. And maybe we take a step back and use the shaman approach of now and keep it this is, this is where we are now. Oops, it's gone. Okay, so here's the new now. Oops, it's gone. Here's right. the new now. Uh, and keep in the now when we're working with relationships and take away the past, not to excuse it, not to say we can't do better, but to say, I'm starting from here and now. Yeah. I'm not starting from back there and I'm not gonna yeah. be in the future looking back. Here I am. I'm here. I'm listening to you. You're the most important thing in the world to me, uh, and it's a team. Uh, I, I love that. I, I also want to point out that I did pay attention to the group chat, and we have an idea from someone. Um, so one of our group chat members said that Jerome Finley shared a great technique in one of his books where you ask your partner to rate their current satisfaction with you in the relationship on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest possible score. And then you ask your partner what needs to change in order for it to be a 10 and then commit to making that change. And um, 
and he'd like to turn the answer into a ritual that he renews into a commitment every day. So I love that. It's a long, when I first start working with a couple, I like to do something similar. Ask them how committed they are to making their relationship work. And I ask them to write down on a piece of paper without showing the other person what their number is. And then I collect the paper and I compare and I tell them, I'm not going to share your answer with each other. I just want to see, you know, what am I working with? Am I working with a one and a 10 or am I working with two nines or a nine and an eight? And thankfully in all, all the years that I've practiced that I've rarely had, you know, one and a, and a nine show up in the room. Usually people are, you know, they might both be sixes, but they're at least experiencing the relationship at the same level, which mm -hmm. gives me, okay, we, you know, we don't have psychosis going on here. We don't, we've got two people that are showing up to a couple session. That's hard to do. Let a stranger into your personal life. I can ask any question, sex, money, whatever. They don't have to answer it, but I ask all the tough questions in sessions. And that is really vulnerable for people to do that. And yet they'll show up kind of equally seeing the relationship challenges for what it is. And this Jerome Finley idea is, is a way of, turning that into something positive. What would it take to get to the next highest number and the next highest number in satisfaction? Love that. So, so and, and I got to tell you, um, Jerome is a mutual friend of ours. Brilliant, oh. brilliant shaman uh, in his own right. He, he's actually given me some marvelous ideas oh, great. Uh, pri privately. And so, yes, it's a marvelous technique. My question to you, Michelle, yeah. uh, because I, I'm not a therapist, uh -huh. And what do you do listening to this? Someone comes in and they're, they're doing their thing or they're listening uh -huh. to this podcast and they're, right. they're moving to the next phase of evolvement, right? right? Or right. someone says, I want to turn this into a ritual, right? You know, I told right. you about my ring thing. Go out. I bless you all. Go, go take it, use it, uh -huh. make the world a better place and full of love. And then they come to you and say, I'm growing, but my partner isn't. Yeah. Now what? What, what, what happens when someone says, I love these techniques yeah. and we're going to go into a lot of them over the next few sessions, right? right. We're going to give you a lot of solid practical advice. And right. I, I come to you and I say, I went and did this yep. and <clears throat> wall. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes it's about the delivery. You have to take a hard look at, how, you know, did, was your delivery judgmental and shaming and was it open-ended and, you know, is there too, you know, are there old wounds that kind of need to be addressed before your partner is willing to grow, right? That's, that's a possibility. If you've really explored it, the reality is in family systems theory, water finds its own level, right? So if you grow sooner or later, the person you're with, just from your modeling and your dedication to growing and your dedication to change, either has to catch up to you in some way without you even saying anything, or you're going to shrink back down to their level, or no growth will happen and you'll get to the point where you have to have one of those hard conversations that says, we're growing apart. We either need some help to, to get through this professionally or we might want to see whether or not this relationship was for a season and maybe not for a lifetime, because that's the reality. Most relationships that we enter do not last a lifetime. They don't. 
If you think about how many people, most people before they ever get to any marriage altar have had six or seven severe breakups that they've never really addressed. And all they've done is been told by their friends and their family, you've got to get back out there again. You've got to get jump back on the fort. There's plenty of fish in the sea. And there's been no healing of the old wounds or changing or learning from the past relationships. So sometimes we do outgrow our relationships. I think relationships, as uh, my own therapist would say, this is earth school and relationships are warp speed learning. So you can either learn the lesson in the relationship that you're there, or you wait till the next relationship to learn it if you think that the problem is always the other person. Because wherever you go, there you are, right? So if I'm changing me, and in all honesty, that, that did happen to me. I did change me at some point in becoming a therapist. You and I've chatted before, and I've always told you one of my dreams is to create a place like this yeah. where the strong can go to be weak. Yeah. I mean, let's just talk about the elephant in the room for a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I come from a very powerful environment in, in a business setting, lots of lots of alpha being thrown out there from folks. Everybody's got to win there, you know, for the, you know, it's, it's the old George Patton thing of, you know, we, we never lose. We don't retreat. We blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> and um, I'm doing Patton a disservice because he happens to be one of my 10 oh, cabinet of advisors <laughs> because there's a lot more to him than, than people realize, but there's, there's still that, out yeah. there and as we move through now into a recovery phase whether it's forced on us uh, because yeah. of what's going on in the world or because coronavirus is suddenly <laughs> back page news um, okay. mm -hmm. as we go through the recovery people are going to start becoming very competitive they're going to say I want this this is mine this is territorial and the like yeah. how do you help someone and that I, I know they've got to help themselves mm -hmm. how do you help people form better intentions mm -hmm. so the power of intention is always very big for me as I've always said give more attention to your intention mm -hmm. uh, and more importantly understand that coming to someone like you is not weakness mm. yeah how do I you know that's a I I would love to know your insight or any of our other um, listeners' insight about that. Because by the time somebody comes to me, I, ha I don't have to convince them to come to me. They're, they're already there. Well, have you ever had a situation where the wife and or husband has, has drugged the other one to the therapy session? Oh, yes. Yeah. We call them van vanditory clients. Yeah. Voluntarily mandated. Right? <laughs> um, so mandatory clients, what I usually challenge someone to do when they show up is if you are going to therapy to learn what it is about you that needs to improve and change to be happier, healthier, more satisfied with life, you've got a fighting chance. If you're going to therapy to say it's all their fault and they need to change, uh, that probably is not going to help you too much because the other person is automatically going to be defensive um, you may, I, I don't, I don't know. So I usually challenge couples, tell me what you're here to change about you. I don't want to hear yet what it is that you're concerned about the other person changing. 
What is it that you think you need to improve on? So we're back to the Jack Nicholson comment. You make me want to be a better man. Yeah, you make me want to be a better person. So, so there's that. And then you mentioned something about Mimi and I want, I want mine. I don't, I don't know. I love that we are creating a, a community where people can come and be vulnerable and not see it as weakness. I think there's a difference between vulnerability and weakness. And I often have to talk to people in the grief world, particularly men grieving, and talk to them about expressing emotions is not weakness, it's vulnerability. It takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable. So explain, explain, explain this to me, because I've said this before, um, when I cry, I'm a crier. I've said this yeah. before. I, I'll cry at just about anything. <laughs> um, you know, and because of that, there are certain movies and books. I just won't do them. Um, uh-huh. because uh-huh. it's, and, and it's not that it's, t- it, how it's do I say it? I'm, ver- I'm very visual uh-huh. and it's, you know, you put me, you, you, I am addicted to Grey's Anatomy, but I will tell you, oh. I think I cry at every other one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, particularly if, if husband is, is dying or wife is dying and they're doing their last dance and don't even get me started on the notebook. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So, however, again, uh-huh. now I'll be transparent and authentic with you. Uh-huh. Crying privately, yeah. I, I get it. Feel it, flushing, cleansing, clearing. Yep. Yep. If I cry in front of you, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. So let's do a little quick therapy, do a quick therapy with me. I'm embarrassed to cry in front of you. Yeah, I I think that's programming and I get it. You know, you've, you've earned that. You've fought it, fought for it your whole life. You've been told that showing vulnerability in front of anyone else's weakness. Maybe you're a girl or you're a wimp. That's, you know, those are all those terrible messages that people give you because there's bullies in the world and not everybody is safe to be genuine with. But I see, I'm just going to tell you from my perspective, what matters more is what you think. But from my perspective, showing vulnerability takes a tremendous amount of courage and strength. Showing your real self to another human being is one of the strongest, most courageous things you could ever do. And I'm not here to judge you. Um, and I, may, I um, like uh, Daryl commented, uh, crying with clients, being, being vulnerable too. I cry with some of my clients. Um, they can tell that I feel what they're feeling, even when the tears don't come to my eyes. Um, but I don't hide my own tears when they come. I, so, I model genuine behavior. So Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, the, the, yeah. the one who made famous the no emotions, right? Mr. Stoic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in his book, in his, well, not recently, he's passed away now, but in his book, he talked about tears of connection. And that yeah. always stuck oh, with yeah. me. Tears uh, of connection. That, that being said, uh, in, in the few minutes that we have left, because I think this will be a nice way to segue into the, the next week with some real hard and fast uh, routines and habits and techniques. Yeah. What is vulnerability? I hear you say it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I, in my head, I, I'm, I'm appreciating that. Uh-huh. I'm understanding it. Uh-huh. And yet at my heart level, I'm saying, I'm not sure I know what authentic and transparent and vulnerable actually means in in the context. So what do you mean by vulnerable? Uh, Being your real self and risking that someone may judge you. And do I get to cuss? Yeah, we're we're, we're explicit here. Okay. 
So fuck them if they're not going to accept me for who I am. You know, sometimes that's kind of what we have to get to the place of is like, I am not interested in putting on a mask other than Batman, Scott. (laughs) I am not interested in wearing a mask for fucking anybody. That's just not what I'm interested in. I want to live my life to my true self. Well, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm happy and sometimes I'm sad. But wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I, I know, again, we're doing a pretend therapy thing, yeah. but, wait a, but, but wait a minute. Yes. That means I'm at risk of not being loved and I won't do that. Yeah. Do you want to be loved by people who don't really know you? So let's talk, let's keep it in a relationship thing. I, let's let's yeah. pretend we're, yeah. we're doing couples marriage therapy. And I yeah. say to you, but she might not love me anymore. Yeah. If she sees my true self, if I, she sees me cry. Mm-hmm. I get that fear. Do you think that you married somebody that can't accept you for who you really are? Because that's a deeper issue. We need to help you connect at a real level with your partner or that's interfering with your sex life. It's interfering with your communication. It's interfering with your goal setting because it's all based on a house of cards. So let's build a real foundation here. Um, Do you want to be with somebody that can't accept you for who you really are? What if, and again, I'm, I'm playing through this in my head. It, it, you and I didn't script this. It's, no, we didn't. You're putting me on the spot. I, I, well, it, but I think that's really good. I, I think it's impressive what you're doing. And, um, but it's true. I feel it, that it, way strongly, spiritually. At some point, though, don't we need to get to the point where it's, it's a Scott problem? It's yes. not my partner problem. No. At some point, isn't the vulnerability where we get we get a client yes. to the point where they realize they're the problem. Yes. Yes. Because if you are hiding who you really are, you're not giving your partner a chance to show up for you. Got it. And I think that that's a real key right there yeah. is may, maybe particularly for those of you who said you liked the ritual thing. I love that. You know, and I think I'm now in light of what you just said, going to add to my ritual before I put this on, I pick it up in the morning. I think I'm now going to say, my intent uh-huh. is I'm going to show up a hundred percent today. I love that. I no, love I love that. it. So thank you. And so, <laughs> you know, we've, we've spent now a half hour getting to one of the biggest lessons that I think we can pass on to people. It's showing up authentically. Yeah. Showing up. That um, I'm lovable as yeah. I am. I and am that doesn't mean you're weak. I am. No, no, that takes yeah. a tremendous amount of courage to show up as you are and risk rejection, but you can't really find that true basis, that true connection. If you're constantly monitoring and masking who you really are, people aren't really loving you then, they're loving your mask. They're not loving who you really are. Yeah, and by the way, I know you keep saying mask. Um, those some of you, may, well, the, some no of you may not. No, no, no. But so, no, so, some some of you know I wrote the book, The Masks of Tarot, and in it, I ah. talk about the hiding places where you've got the mask turns into the beast. The beast then has its polar opposite of light, and the light then yeah. has its extension of the shadow. Oh. I'll give you a little my little homework for the next seven days. Yay! And that's to figure out what mask you're bringing to your everyday life at home with your stay at home orders with everything that's going on in the world, figure out what the mask is you think you have and then put it under stress in your head. It's a, it's a mental construct, put it under stress and say, okay, if I'm this, so 
Uh, Scott's very creative, right? I've, creativity is huge for me. Uh, under stress, creativity makes, uh, pardon me, under stress, creativity becomes fragmented. Uh, it can be, I can be very dominating. I can, tr I'm bringing my willpower to this and it, and it becomes frantic at some times. It becomes uh, exasperating. I will suck everybody's energy out of the room because I'm, I'm creating, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. I think I'm being creative. Mm -hmm. The folks that mean the most to me mm -hmm. see me as this beast. <laughs> they're, they're not saying it in a pejorative way. What they're saying is they're seeing the extreme. Yeah. And if you'll take the opposite of that. So what happens when someone's frenetic, when someone's extreme, someone's, um, you know, out there, right? Peace, calm, meditate, box breathing. You bring it back down to that very peaceful level. Yeah. That's where I should be operating at my heart level all the time. Uh, and it's a very simple exercise. And so what I'm asking you guys to do, figure out where you think you are. Mm. With no judgment. Where do you think you're operating in your relationship that means the most to you all the time? And now take it to an extreme. Okay, what is that that you are under stress? What do you do? And then I invite you to go ask, it's kind of similar to, to what was said on here, go ask your partner, does this sound like me? <laughs> do, do you remember I told you we did a poll with the kids? Yes. Scott's very high maintenance. That's how this, that's <laughs> part of this, right? I don't see myself that way. Okay, if I'm high maintenance, what do we need to do for the polar opposite of that uh, uh -huh. to calm it down? Okay. And it's a marvelous way of self-educating yourself and peeling the, the layers away. So you're going to go from the mask that, that we all have. You're going to go from the mask to your beast. Uh -huh. And then you're going to find the light. You're going to find the okay. polar opposite of what people are saying you most do under stress. Who okay. are you? Because that's what they remember. Uh -huh. They're not going to remember what you do all the time. It's, it's the same as you driving to work. You don't remember all the stop signs you 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 went to or the stoplights you went through uh -huh. okay you, what you re, what you remember are the aberrational stuff uh -huh. and that's what we're going to bring the light to okay uh, I love any, it. anything you want to add to this discussion because we're just about out of time um no i hope that this has been helpful and interesting uh, for those of you that are here live and that listen to the podcast and I hope that if there are things you want us to address um, in the future, that you will let us know and come back because we have more to talk about in terms of relationships and couples and uh, all kinds of relationships. All kinds of relationships. Yeah, how so, to make them better. So we're, we're going to continue this discussion uh, at, at least through next week uh, and see where it goes. And again, as you are listening to this, whether it's live now or it's a, a podcast replay and you feel inspired by anything that we've said, shoot us a line and let us know because we'll emphasize that and we'll dig a little deeper into it uh, to help everybody through there. And obviously we will keep uh, your, you, we'll keep your identity uh, private uh, as we've been very careful to do. And with that, I want to thank everybody for being here um, for letting us share with you and uh, Michelle, have a great rest of the week and thank the rest you. of you. Thank you for joining us and be, be safe out there. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye for now. 
You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.